righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. On the eighth Sunday after Pentecost, we are moving along in our summer series called The Tree of Life. Last week, we started in the New Testament as we witnessed the baptism of our Lord Jesus. Today, we travel with Jesus into the wilderness as he is tempted by the devil and as he begins his powerful earthly ministry. For our friends worshiping online or on the radio, a reminder to go to our website chapelofthecross.org, and you will find the bulletin for this service under the Resources tab and options for giving your offering to the Lord under the Give tab. Now just a few announcements to share with you before we begin worship. We welcome two guest pastors who are helping with worship this morning. The Reverend Dr. Pete Jerkin will be preaching this morning, and he will be preaching next weekend as well. Pastor Jerkin is developing editor at Concordia Publishing House and is one of the very talented staff at CPH that put together the Tree of Life Bible class and sermon series. So we welcome Pastor Jerkin to Chapel of the Cross today and thank him for being with us. The Reverend Jeff Thormanson is also serving this morning as our liturgist. Pastor Thormanson is on staff at Concordia Seminary among his many duties include being the assistant director of vicarage and deaconess internships, and he was the former vacancy pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Chapel. Pastor Thormanson will soon be joining us here as a member of Chapel of the Cross, and we welcome him today and thank him for his service. Today we are blessed to witness God's grace being poured out on Lily Joy Kay as she is baptized this morning. That baptism will take place immediately following our opening hymn. We thank and praise God for his good gifts. This upcoming Wednesday, August the 3rd, is our evening prayer service. Evening prayer is a brief, mostly sung, time of worship and prayer that takes place in our prayer chapel. Service starts at 6.30 p.m. Please join us for evening prayer this Wednesday evening. My name is Paul Brummeyer, and I am your Elder of the Week this weekend. I will greet you at the back door as you leave worship today, and will be happy to get to know you as one of your elders here at chapel. May God bless you as we worship this day. We begin our worship by singing together our opening hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, number 60, 686 in our hymnal. We stand to sing together.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Dear Christian friends, Baptism is not merely a symbolic washing with plain water, but connected with the Word of God. It is a gracious water of life and a means by which God conveys the forgiveness of sins to this child and joins her to Christ's holy church. By the activity of the Holy Spirit in this sacrament, God's life is implanted in this child, and by God's grace, this life will grow and develop as it is nourished and fed by the gospel. Our Lord commanded baptism, saying to his disciples in the last chapter of Matthew, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it is God-pleasing that in command, in obedience to his command and trusting in his promise, you should bring this child to be baptized in his name. Receive the sign of the Holy Cross, both upon your forehead, upon your heart, to show that you have been redeemed by Christ the crucified. Saint Mark writes about the loving concern of Jesus for little children. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Parents, dear parents, this child is God's gift to you, and God will hold you accountable for her welfare. You must strive to bring her up in the fear and love of God, and see to it that she is properly instructed in God's word so that the Holy Spirit may lead her to understand and treasure the new life given her in baptism. Her faith must be nourished. You must provide her with a Christian home and example and love her even as Christ loved you. Do you intend to do this gladly and willingly? Then declare so by saying yes to your sponsors. It is your responsibility to testify in the child's stead that by holy baptism as a means of grace she obtains and possesses the saving faith in the one true God and renounces the devil and all his wicked works. Moreover, after this child has been baptized, you should at all times remember her in your prayers Put her in mind of her baptism and lend your counsel and help, especially if she should lose her parents. 
that she may be brought up in the knowledge and fear of God according to the teachings of the Lutheran Church and faithfully keep her baptismal promises to the end. Do you intend to do this gladly and willingly? Then declare so by saying yes. yes. Congregation, please rise. It is your responsibility as fellow saints and members of Christ's body to, to be witness and members of Christ's holy church to be witnesses of God's redeeming love for this child. You must love her, pray for her, and through agencies of Christian education assist the parents in the instruction and training of this child. Do you intend to do this gladly and willingly, then declare so all of you by saying yes. Let us then confess the faith into which Lily will be baptized in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified under rose again at the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence you will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. Amen. May God enable all of us to be ministers of his love to this child and with his grace fulfill what we are unable to do. Amen. Be seated. <coughs> Lily Joy Kay, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you the new birth and holy baptism and has forgiven you all your sins, strengthen you with its grace and give you life everlasting. Peace be with you. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God and Father, we thank you that you have granted Lily the new birth and holy baptism and made her a member of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and an heir of your heavenly kingdom. As she has now become your child, keep her in her baptismal grace that she may ever lead a godly life to the praise and honor of your holy name. And finally, with all your saints, obtain the promised inheritance of heaven through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord and giver of life, look with kindness upon the parents of this child and upon all parents. Let them ever rejoice in the gift you have given them. Strengthen them in their own baptism that they may share eternally with their children the salvation you have given them through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Together.
Lily, we welcome you into the Lord's family. We receive you as a fellow member of the body of Christ, a child of the same Heavenly Father. Receive this burning light. May it symbolize the light of Christ now, alive in your heart. Live always by the light of Christ. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you from this time forth and even forevermore. Go in peace. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made Who could stand? Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise, and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar. Let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, your Son was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan. Come quickly to help us who, because of our weakness, are assaulted by many temptations. Give each one of us strength and victory through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is from the first and second chapters of Ecclesiastes. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool. Yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all the toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This, too, is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days his work is pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. This, too, is meaningless. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from the third chapter of Colossians. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, will, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, it, here there is no Jew or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This is the word of the Lord.
Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is the Gospel of the Lord. and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It is an honor and a privilege to be here today sharing God's word with you, to be here for the baptism, to gather around God's promises, to receive God's gifts. It is a privilege to be part of this sermon series, The Tree of Life, 
We have been going through God's great epic plan of salvation from the Garden of Eden ending in the new creation. We get a 30,000 foot view of the narrative that goes through the Bible. And we take a look at what God has done for us, for you and me, and what our place is in God's plan of salvation. It started in the Garden of Eden, where God made all things and made things good, yet man fell into temptation, bringing with him sickness and death, but also the promise of a Messiah, that one day there would be a Savior who would come to rescue us, to forgive us from our sins, and restore all things. And last week, you went into the baptism of Jesus. After so many centuries of waiting, the Messiah came. He was born, and he came into this world, not in the way anyone would expect, but in humility. And he was baptized in the Jordan River. And then he was sent into the wilderness. And that's where the narrative picks up today. Jesus goes into the wilderness. And there he is confronted by Satan, the tempter. And for just a brief moment in Scripture, it's like the curtain is pulled back between the visible and the invisible, the supernatural world and the natural world, and we listen in on a conversation between Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, put on human flesh, the long-awaited promised one, and Satan, the fallen angel, the deceiver. And there Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days, and Satan comes and tempts him. Tempts him with different temptations that would show that he doesn't trust God or in God's power. Temptations to get him off the path he came on and the path that would lead to the cross. And at each instance with these three temptations, Jesus answers with a word of God. And Satan then leaves. And the real question for us is, what in the world does this have to do with us? What are we to learn from this? What are we to take home from this? This listening in on this conversation between Jesus and Satan. How then should we live? It's obvious here that this is an instance of spiritual warfare. That is, the fallen powers fighting against, Satan, against Jesus, against God's good will and good purpose. It'd be easy to take a look at this and look at this spiritual warfare and somehow think that this is a picture of how God expects us to go into the world. After all, we are tempted nonstop by so many different things. The fallen powers of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh constantly rail against God. Is this a picture of how God wants us to live or what God expects of us in this world? 
that as Satan comes at us with his lies, as the world comes at us with temptations, as our own sinful flesh continually tempt us and work within us to get us to go against God's good will for us, that somehow this is the example we are to follow, just like Jesus, and answer every temptation, every test with the right words to say, and thus send Satan fleeing and push back the darkness with our goodness. Are we to follow Jesus' example here? Is that the point of how we are to live? If this is the only point of how we are to live, brothers and sisters in Christ, then I'm going to tell you the obvious. We're not doing too hot. I'm a professional Christian, for lack of a better term. I'm a pastor. I am paid to write Bible studies and Bible resources and curriculum. I spend my day reading God's Word. I am in the Bible nonstop. But even I, and all of us, when confronted with temptation, when confronted with opportunities to share God's Word, with, when we are placed in those situations where we are to confess the truth, how often do we fail to find the right words? How often do we give in to temptation? How often do we fail? Jesus did not fall into temptation. Does God expect the same of us? And if he does expect the exact same of us, does that mean the success or failure of the kingdom of God is on our shoulders? Is it us in the arena with the demons day in and day out? And we have to come up with the right words, the right attitude, the right lifestyle. And if we don't, do the demons win and the kingdom of God become overthrown? Do they undo the work of Jesus as we fail to live up to God's good expectations? Because if this is the case, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're all helpless and we're all hopeless if it is up to us to find the right words to battle the devil and the temptations the devil gives. It'd be easy to feel rather hopeless in the midst of so much overwhelming evil. But when we look at the text, we see a different focus. We see a different emphasis on where this fits in God's plan of salvation. Remember, this is the tree of life. We're taking this top-down look at God's story of salvation. Last week, we saw Jesus being baptized. He goes into the Jordan River and comes up out of the Jordan River and then immediately goes into the wilderness, into the desert for 40 days where he is tempted and tested. And we are supposed to see this. People throughout the history of the church have seen this. There is a connection to what Jesus is doing here, to what God's people did 1,500 years before in the Exodus. God's people were in bondage. They were in slavery in Egypt, unable to free themselves 1,500 years before Jesus. And God, out of faithfulness to his promise to give his people a land, he heard their cry and he freed them through Moses. They went through the waters of the Red Sea. They parted for them. And Pharaoh's army was destroyed after them. They were freed from slavery and then led into the wilderness where for 40 years they were tested and tempted before they went into the promised land. 
Jesus is putting on the shoes of his people. He is reliving the story of God's people. He is walking the path that humans had walked. He is retreading the story of salvation, but with one very major difference. Where God's people in the wilderness were tempted and tested by Satan, they failed. They grumbled against God. When confronted with hunger, they grumbled. When asked to trust God, they protested. When tempted to worship foreign gods, they failed and they stumbled over and over and over again. And God could have and should have wiped them out, started over. But out of faithfulness to his promise to send the Messiah, he preserved and restored his people. He refined them, yes, but he did not give up on his promise and he led them into a promised land. And where we see God's people stumbling and falling in the Old Testament, when we see Jesus retreading, walking in the shoes of his people, living the story of salvation in his own life, recreating it, we see Jesus not stumble and fall. Instead, we see Jesus faithfully following God's command, never giving in to temptation, never giving in to sin by keeping his eyes fixed on his mission to go to the cross for you and for me and to bury our sins there, to pay the punishment of your sins and mine on that cross and to be raised again to new life to give you and me new life. And this is all out of his love for you and me, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is God's gift. So how do we see Jesus' temptation in the wilderness from the gospel today. Yes, it is spiritual warfare, but it is not the example of God sending us out and saying, it is up to you, Christians, to fight the darkness. It is up to you to battle the demons and see if you can win with the right words. No, it is not that at all. It's a picture of God coming in human form, putting on human flesh, Jesus Christ, going out there and fighting the battle we could not win. Going out there and being our champion, walking the path of this sinful, broken human race, but not falling into sin. And in so doing, taking your place and mine and giving you and me the benefits of his work on the cross. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our life will be one that is constantly surrounded by temptations to sin. We just had a baptism. This little one has received the gifts of God, promised forgiveness, life, and salvation. These are the gifts that we have all received in our baptisms. They are yours one by Jesus Christ. They are hers, one by Jesus Christ and given out of his goodness. These are the same gifts we have all received. If it were up to us, if it were up to us to get our way into heaven, none of us could get there. If it were up to us to go hand in hand battling against the demons and win, we could not. But instead, Jesus has for us. 
It is not up to us to win that. Jesus has won that. His kingdom is established. It is done. It is finished. It is given to us. So yes, we are tempted nonstop by the fallen powers of the devil, the world, our sinful flesh. They will constantly tempt us to turn our backs on God or give up our faith. But they can't win in the end. They can only tempt us to abandon the gift that is ours. Jesus is our King. He is our Lord. He has forgiven you. Our job is not to win the battle, but to stand firm in our identity, to stand firm in the gift that he has given this child and all of us. As these temptations come, we can yell back at the darkness, you have no power over us. Jesus is our King, and he has won the victory over us on the cross, and he is coming back. And at the end of this great story of salvation that we're looking at at the Tree of Life, we will look at the time when Jesus does return, and he will return. He who died and rose again is now ascended at the right hand of God the Father. He is king now, and when he returns, he will make all things new. He will restore his creation. He will raise the dead. Those of us who do not deserve it but have received it by the gift of his grace and love, and there and then, all those whom he has called to himself, given faith and life, will be restored in the new creation, where all things will be made new and all sad things will come untrue. Stand firm in your faith, Christians, and rejoice in your salvation. Amen. And may this message of Christ that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in this very same Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.
Please rise for prayer. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O God, you once gave your Son to be tempted by the devil for us and our salvation. Help us and all who are assaulted by the many temptations of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh, that we may be strengthened and supported by your grace. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, bless the mission and ministry of your servants who are called as deaconesses, DCEs, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, and other church workers. Guard and keep your church, O Lord, from every attack of the devil. Bless the members of this and every congregation, that in all thankfulness for your great mercy, we may continually support the work of your church through our gifts, our service, and our own faithful witness to your goodness and mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, without you, everything is meaninglessness. Work, food, knowledge, family, recreation, nature. May your continual grace give meaning to all that we say, do, and are. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, help us to put to death all, the thi- all that keeps us from you. Give us minds set on things above, not on earthly things. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, help the sick, the injured, and those who are hospitalized. Especially do we remember the many people suffering from COVID at this time, Jim Koch as he was recently diagnosed with cancer, and Johnny Spear as he recovers from recent surgery in the hospital. Lord, we ask that you bring your comfort, your peace, and the blessed knowledge of your presence to these and others who are in need of your healing touch. Lord, in your mercy. Look mercifully, O Lord, on all in our region who are afflicted by the flooding this week. Grant them your present and eternal protection. For Jesus' sake, abide with them. Send your holy angels to watch over them. Give wisdom and strength to those who are at this moment showing mercy in your name to those affected by the flooding. And give all faith to cast their anxieties and care on you who promise his presence and guides his children through every danger. Lord, in your mercy, endow with skill and wisdom all government leaders who make decisions that affect the lives of your people, O Lord. Send your protecting angels to surround our service personnel and civilians who are serving in dangerous areas of the world. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we give thanks with those who celebrate special gifts of your grace. Today, we especially give you praise with Ben and Allie Kay and their family upon the baptism of their daughter, Lily Joy. Protect Lily with your angels and bless her in every way. We also praise you with Stan and Diane Shiwi as they celebrate their 52nd wedding anniversary this week. Continue to bless them and their family as they rejoice in your good gifts. And we thank you for the ministry of Pastor Ellery Glenn as this week, past week, he celebrated the first anniversary of his ordination into the pastoral ministry. We ask you bless Pastor Glenn and his wife Kathy and his family especially in his rehabilitation and recovery. Keep then and all of us in your gracious care. 
Lord, in your mercy. In your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who, having created all things, took on human flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary. For our sake he died on the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death, thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. Therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. The same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and fervent love towards one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord to make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace.